If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, best-selling author, Daniel Wilcox. Hello and welcome to episode number 55 of the Great Writer Share podcast, where every week we hijack an hour or so of time from some of the kindest and hardest working writers around today to join us on the show and discuss everything that makes them tick, raw and bounce. Today's date is Monday the 28th of September as of recording, and I will jump straight in with my personal update. So in fiction news, I am about to dive into the work on the last section of When Winter Comes, which is my post-apocalyptic horror serial. Um, I'm working on episode six, and I I reckon that it's probably going to clock in around 30,000 words that I've got to get written over the next couple of weeks for a launch that will go ahead on November the 18th, I believe I put that down for. Um, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I'm excited to get that to the end to wrap it up to look at the box set options and how I'm going to go ahead about marketing that. Looking at how to do the audiobook, um, because I've I've got an audiobook out for one of my fiction novels, but it's something that I'm still a bit relatively um, fresh into. So I want to play around a bit with uh, Find Away Voices and try and see what they've got. I want to find a sweet narrator um, and really try and kick that off the ground because this book's going to end up being about 180,000 words, uh, give or take. Mm do a quick math Dan yeah about about 150,000 words which is obviously a a good chunk of what will be audio uh, minutes so that's what I'm pushing towards I am also in the process of finalizing all the edits for my upcoming anthology which is going to come out in the middle of October Um, I've got 10 phenomenal authors involved I've edited I think just under half the stories now and I've got the rest to get through this week um but it's a really interesting experience and I'm, I'm really really enjoying actually working with these other writers uh giving my feedback letting them have their chance to sort of speak and open that up and really just making it more of like a dialogue as opposed to just you know putting down my law and saying what's going to happen um and I think it's it's a good vibe I think everyone seems quite involved in being a part of the process uplifting it promoting it and just getting excited around what's going to come out um and yeah, every every part of me just wants to make sure I deliver and give them everything they hope for, as well as obviously a fantastic reader experience. So that's on its way. In nonfiction news, I am. Um, I think this might be the first time I've actually officially mentioned anything about this in. I, I wouldn't say full depth, but you know, I, I tease a lot of stuff because that's just what I do. Um, but I am currently in the process of building a brand new website, which is going to be more of a site for services from myself so I've got a site dedicated to my fiction um based around what I want readers to see of of the things that I do so it's got all my books on there it's got some of my podcasts it's got bits and pieces but this is really going to be a site dedicated to helping authors so 
I've got that upcoming and I'm in the throes of building that, working out all of my uh, products, what exactly I'm going to offer and uh, just a way to communicate that in an effective way because I basically, I love doing shows like this. I love uh, picking writers' brains. I love reaching out and helping other authors and that's going to be one of the next steps in terms of my author career. So I'm building that, but I'll, I'll keep quiet at the minute what those services are going to be exactly. Um, and the one other thing that I'll mention as well uh, is that if... For people who check out the Next Level Authors podcast that I run with Sasha Black, um, I have recently just refreshed all of the artwork on that and really, really proud of the results, actually managed to get a really sleek looking podcast tile, um, all the podcasts, social media artworks and everything. It's just it's, uh, the whole point of that podcast is to level up everything we do as part of the author business. And I really feel like the artwork helps actually level up where where the show is going and where we want it to go. So We've got a lot of exciting things that we're working on in the background and hopefully this artwork is one step into making that a lot more official and profesh. Uh, but on to this week's guest, who is a face and name that should be familiar. Faye Trask is one of the co-hosts, one of the new co-hosts of the Great Writers Share podcast. She uh, recently interviewed Ritu Batal in episode number 54, 53, nearly messed it up, <laughs> episode number 53. And uh Faye's a fantastic person to talk to. She's someone that um, I saw around the different Facebook groups, the different author communities, someone who's hustling to get it done. She's someone who's in the throes of writing her debut novel. So we go a lot into how she's approaching that, how she's finding the process of writing that first novel, where the creativity muscle came from for her. Um, she's ex-military, so we talk a little bit about the lessons that she learned in the military. And we also talk a lot about learning and how you need to be humble in order to grow and the places that she's gone in order to get her writing advice and step it up so that she can go from you know being a fledgling writer into a published author um and yeah i think you know i've interviewed holly in the past on this podcast i've interviewed john in the past on this podcast who for people just tuning in those are our, our two other author um, co-hosts as well and i thought it'd just be a fantastic chance to get faye on the show interviewer and just show everyone what she's about so that when you listen to her next time, you understand a little bit more of who she is, where she's coming from and uh, why she's asking the kind of questions that she's asking. But before we get into the interview, I want to give a quick shout out to all of the wonderful patrons over at www.patreon.com forward slash great writers share, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to a whole load of extra good stuff, including early ad free access to episodes. You can ask guests uh, questions on the show themselves. Uh, we've got our Slack group in which you've got an accountability and a sprint channel. And the whole the whole ethos of the Patreon is basically to provide value to you and to help you step up your author career. Um, and I want to give a big shout out to a familiar name who is this week's latest patron, which is the wonderful Sasha Black. So thank you, Sasha, for supporting the show. Um, and everyone who supports the show, it, it keeps the show going, keeps all the lights on and basically just means that we can keep doing what we're doing. So thank you so much for that. And hopefully you're all getting a massive amount of value, which is always what we're after. But now, without any further ado, let's dive into the interview with the one and the only Miss Faye Trask. Faye Trask has had a love for writing and telling stories since she was a little girl. She was immediately drawn into the world of fantasy and science fiction. Throughout her schooling, her passion only grew, and she put her writing on hold to serve in the US military. When not working at her day job or on her debut novel, she could be found in the woods of Maine, camping, hiking, or trail riding with her fiance and their dog. Faye, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me. That's right. I say thank you for, for joining me on the show, but obviously that's a little bit different with this one because as people should recognize is that Faye is actually one of the new hosts of this show. So if anyone hasn't tuned into, uh, I'm, I'm a bit jumbled on the timeline, but obviously your first episode just gone live as of recording this. So your first yeah. interview with Ritu Batel. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, tell my listeners a little bit or our listeners, I'm going to keep doing that for a while because I'm struggling to get out of that mindset. <laughs> it's all good. I mean, it's only been like episode 50 was the big announcement and then 53 was my episode. So it's still like fairly still new. It's, it's coming up to a month. Although to be fair, I haven't really recorded any interviews since that happened. So oh, wow. you know, it'll take some getting used to. Um, it's strange. It's strange. But yeah, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you got into the world of writing. Um, well, back in, I guess, elementary school, my mom kind of always saw that when English class came around, my focus was gone. So they (laughs) thought I was going to be really bad at reading and writing when it was that I had so many stories and my imagination was so active. They had to put me in a special English class and I did that. And then that proceeded all the way up through high school. And my English teacher in high school was like, yeah, so we're not doing English. You just write short stories and then we'll figure it out from there. Like I'll, I'll work around you. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. I actually had to teach one of my senior English classes because the rest of my class didn't understand Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet. Like they couldn't make the connections, and I was the only one in class besides the teacher. That's like, are you kidding me? Like, and how old were you then? Fifteen, sixteen. Nice. And my teacher's like, <laughs> "Yeah, go for it. Explain it to him." I'm like drawing on the chalkboard. I'm like, "This person <laughs> and this, this." So I've always loved storytelling. Always love just stories in general. And mm. I hate that our society's kind of gotten away from that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you go down the traditional route of education and stuff, I think there is an element of pushing people out of the arts a bit. But then you could also argue that with um, the ascension of like Netflix and all the different TV shows and Kindles and all the kind of boom in entertainment, there is there is a big overwhelm for demand right now. And maybe not so many people to fill that demand. Um, yeah. Where where do you think that imaginative... Um, sort of splurge of creativity came to you from what was there anything sort of early on that you you think oh this this is what has fed me um I think it's just you know how children have such active imaginations that mine was never okay don't do that it's yeah you think this stick is a sword go for it and I I owe a lot of credit to my parents because my dad Me growing up, my dad was always watching Battlestar Galactica and (laughs) sci-fi shows like that. And my mom was is more normal. She watches the romance. I'm like, "Mm, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I hate seeing kids that have active imaginations and imaginary friends and their parents or whoever being like, no, that's not real. It's like it's real to them and that's all that matters. Yeah, there's, um, I, I mean, not long before uh, recording this episode, I was playing a bit of Lego with my son and he's, he's very imaginative and I do a lot to try and um, obviously stoke his creativity, you know, being a writer, dad. And, uh, but he, he was following his Lego instructions and there was a particular piece that was, he just couldn't find, which meant that 
that was like the stalling point of creating this angler fish out of Lego. So I, being you know resourceful as I probably am, removed one bit, added a bigger bit that would cover both of those pieces where it needs to be, you know, to find a workaround. And uh, his response was immediately, "No, we, we can't do that because it's got it's got holes in, it and the other one doesn't." So I had oh. to have that moment where I was like, "No, no, it's fine. Like you can work around as long as it fixes, as long as it works yeah. and it becomes what you want it to be. That's fine." Um, yes. But yeah, and then obviously, uh, like you say, you you were quite creative early on. You you did all this English stuff and absolutely smacked Shakespeare in the face. Um, <laughs> and as we said in the intro, you then went on and uh, went to into the U.S. military. So. What was the what was the transition for you going from sort of where you were into the military? Well, I straight out of high school, my parents were like, "You have to go to college. You have to go to college." And I wasn't ready. So when I did go to college, I essentially dropped out because I played a semester's worth of World of Warcraft and didn't go to <laughs> class. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I got kicked out of school, and I'm like, okay. And I was working. I think three jobs at one point I was just bouncing around. I had completely stopped writing because I'm like, I'm not in high school anymore. I don't have to do anything. And like, I ended up going to Israel and living there for a few months. And then I finally came back and one of my friends who I had known for years showed up at my house at six o'clock in the morning. And he's like, you're coming with me. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And we went to the Navy recruiting office and he sat there and was talking to the recruiter. And I just sat there going, you didn't even buy me fucking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so then I ended up talking to the recruiter and it's like subliminal messaging. Cause my entire life, my dad would tell me about his Navy and military experience and all that. I'm just like, well, is this true? And it, by the time I left at noon, I was signed up and I just looked at my friend. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> I mean, that's the story in itself, right? There's just someone coming in and accosting you at your doorway and just slapping you into the Navy. He was notorious for that. He'd just show up at my house <laughs> random times. Like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to assume that during your time uh, through the military, I mean, I've, I've never served, so I'm, I'm clueless to this, but was there was there much room for creativity while you're out and, and doing what you were doing? Nah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, they do, the United States military does a very good job of basically erasing your brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the whole point of boot camp is to break you down and then mold you into what they want you to be. I didn't really get my writing inspiration back until recently because you just are constantly doing something. And my downtime when I was in was always World of Warcraft or PlayStation games or something like that. It was something mind numbing. Like I didn't even read because all the stuff you have to deal with, you're just like, I'm, I'm done. I no, no. I'll say a lot of Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> like I couldn't process anything, but getting out was the big turning point, which I kind of dashed it into my book because I feel like it's vital. There's 
a moment or not a moment, but like a time period when a lot of people leave the service, whether it's retirement or they just get out because they're done, that they sit and they have to go through almost an existential crisis of what do I do? Mm. Am I still important? Like the world is still going around and I can sit on my couch and do nothing and nothing changes. Like I'm not vital anymore. And it's very difficult to deal with that. So I had a solid, I think like two years of that void, like no joke, void of all emotion. And it was very scary and bizarre for me because nobody else kind of picked up on that because I was too good. Huh. But now I'm good. Now I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, there are quite a few professions that do that. And like you say, that definitely the, the services is one of them. I mean, being drilled with your mindset that this is everything you have to focus on and then suddenly coming out of that world and not having, for want of a better word, that, that power, that responsibility that, that you used to have. Um, I mean, I was literally talking to a friend last week who worked in, I don't know what the equivalent in America would be, um, but in Britain, it's Butlins with all the red coats. It's all the holiday sort of um, dancing parades and stuff where you go to a holiday oh, camp yeah. and they do that. And yeah. uh, he he has had something very, very similar. Um, I mean, obviously not to compare the careers in any way because they're both totally polar opposites. But I think that environment of being so submersed in what you think you are and, and rising through the ranks of this um, bubble of career and then coming out of that. And he he definitely had sort of a period afterwards where he was just, he had no clue what to do because everything changed. Everything that you thought you know is is different. And like you say, the world keeps spinning. Um, yeah. And it's kind of this that I wanted to get to because like you say, you you are now working through your debut novel. You are mm. now a writer who is part of the Great Writers Share hosting team. Um, yeah. You're in with all the forums, you're in with all the communities. What was it that, that sparked that that joy back for you again and brought you into the writing world? Because I think it'll be quite um, relatable to a lot of people who potentially are wondering what their purpose is or, you know, they're sort of wondering whether or not to get into writing. What was it that brought you to the dark side? So it's actually very specific. And I remember the exact road, the exact day, roughly, like the exact situation. Because once I did get out of the military, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try the college thing again. So I was going to school 45 minutes away from my house, taking back roads, which if anyone has never been to Maine, a back road is the best place that you could just clear your head. So my first year back to school in autumn, as it is now, (laughs) I was coming back at, I want to say like eight o'clock at night because I had a night class. And it had just rained, and I was going down this one back road, and the only sentence that could keep repeating in my mind was that the pavement flowed out like a black river into the night. And I'm like, Hmm. God damn. So for like a week straight, (laughs) for a week straight, that just kept playing and playing. And then all of a sudden, I pictured this Bronco, like charging down these winding twisting back roads in urgency to get somewhere coffee cups on the floor and i'm like i gotta write something down before i go crazy (laughs) (laughs) then i got pulled over (laughs) nice so it was it's literally a a strike of inspiration that sort of brought you back to the page and then and then what did you do with that story did you did you finish it was it just a case of you know scribbling those notes down that 
line has twisted and become what I'm working on now. Mm. And the funniest part is that line is nowhere in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Which is usually the case. You normally get a killer first line to start your book and you're like, yes, this is where it's going. And at the end, it it changes like 10 times. Um, So you you started scribbling this story. Um, Again, obviously, there'll be people out there that, you know, they sort of dabble in writing. They write bits and pieces, whether it's pencil, whether it's keyboard, on your phone, however you want to write. But at a certain point, you begin to get to a point in which you believe you can turn it into a novel, mm-hmm. which I think is one of, you know, someone having gone through that, I think that's pr- probably the, the hardest transition point and something that is the most powerful if you can manage it. You are approaching, if, I, if, I, if I'm remembering right, you're approaching the end of your first draft of this novel, which is super yeah. exciting, by the way. I'm like um, excited and nervous on that. Yeah, and by the way, if anyone can hear the ice cream van, that's that's what that noise is outside. I don't know if it's coming through the microphone. What are you doing? Go get ice cream. <laughs> I want an ice cream. I'm on a diet. Stop it. <laughs> but yeah, obviously there's a there's a difference between scribbling down a couple of notes or you know just writing a few bits on a piece of paper and you know I'm going to finish this novel and go down the journey that you're going. So what was it that that got you to the point where you were convinced that you were going to turn this into a novel? Well, that I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I have to do the absolute biggest shout out to Jenna Moresi. Like the biggest thank you, thank you, thank you for her <laughs> channel because I wrote whatever was in my head and then I was looking at it. I'm like, well, and Neil Gaiman, his masterclass was like, ah. he said, what happens next? And that got me thinking and I'm like, well, what does happen next? So I found Jenna's YouTube channel and I'm like, okay, and binge watched like 75% of her videos. (laughs) And then she had the live stream back in April with Meg Latour and Sasha Black. And that just entered in a whole pit because once I joined Sasha's group, all of a sudden accountability and everything. And I went from zero to 60 in a week. So I have so much thanks to the wonderful Jenna Moresi. She's so talented that I can't wait to meet her one day. (laughs) (laughs) And then same to Sasha Black. And if it weren't for the two of them, I would have never met you. So this is is all just awesome <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, fortuitous links along the way um oh, yes. and for people that want to listen to jenna i believe she was episode maybe 36 of this show off the top of my head um but i will put a link to that episode in the show notes as well because yeah she she is a force to be reckoned with um oh, yes but even so i want to i want to nail this down and get a bit more specific because like you say you okay. you took neil neil gaiman's masterclass which i haven't taken yet but he's definitely on my oh, list my gosh. do it <laughs> what was it what was it about that class that brought you into listening to him because there could have been a thousand ways you could have gone you could have gone just online and found some you know websites here and there you could have whatever but you went specifically to Neil Gaiman and you said this is the masterclass I'm going to take <laughs> yeah it, which is kind of funny because I started listening I think it was the audiobook of wow Stephen King's on writing mm-hmm. everyone raves about that book and I started listening to it I couldn't get through it. I'm sorry. I couldn't get through it. And he also says, um, he's known for this quote that if you don't have time to read, you don't have time to write. I can see where he's coming from, but I 
don't believe that case. So I was kind of like standoffish, like, no, you know what? I'm not listening to you, Stephen King, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And I started getting adverts on my phone for masterclass. And you have Neil Gaiman, you have uh, Carol... Oh man, I just mixed four authors in my head. My head there's just a whole baskins. bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even seeing it. There's a whole list. And I had stumbled onto Masterclass because I was trying to find how Gordon Ramsay made scrambled eggs. Like this is so spider webby. I don't even know. I love how it. I this is there. the internet summed up. Oh my gosh, yes. So I bit the bullet and I paid for the Masterclass and I binged all of them. I didn't do what you're supposed to do and watch a video, then do the homework, and then watch a video and do the homework. I'm like, nah. I don't. Forget that. I'm doing them all. And I love Neil Gaiman's work. I love his work. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go with Neil Gaiman first. And he shed a lot of light on some things, but as a new author, it was helpful, but not. Because there's some very rudimentary things that he doesn't cover. Like, none of them cover. They're expecting you to already be fairly decent in your writing craft to then be like, okay, now you should watch this. It's like, mm-hmm. Wait, but what about formatting? Like, how, how do I do this? I know basic grammar is important, but you don't even touch on that. Now you're talking about comic books. What the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so when you were yeah. when, when you were searching around, you were obviously looking for inspiration points, things to learn from. What was your early on? What was your goal with writing? Was it just to finish the book, or did you have sort of visions of um, you know the, the full author career as 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 people go on? I think I was kind of standard. Like everyone wants to be like J.K. Rowling or Stephanie Myers, and boom, first book, million dollars, woo! <laughs> and it happens every day. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I, I'm not denying that I had those dreams. I even looked up a chart to see all these big name authors and how long it took to for them to write their books. Disheartening, right? <laughs> no. No? I was like, are you kidding me? Stephanie Myers wrote Twilight in three months. Mm. I'm like, okay, well, that explains that. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have George R.R. R. Martin, who took years. 40 years to write Game of Thrones. Years. So you have this huge range of you know, expertise. And I'm just like, you know what? It would be nice for my book to hit big, but I know I'm not that good. I mean, I've read my stuff and I'm like, well, maybe not really. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. It is my dream for one day to see, obviously, the book I'm working on now become a movie. But I don't think that will ever actually happen. It's Mm. a dream. That's the point of dreams, right? (laughs) You need something to aim for. What was it it particularly about Jenna Marcy that, that called you in, that made you binge all of those videos? What was it about her? She, she's real. She is 100% real. She gives off that vibe of that I instantly thought if we had gone to high school together, we would have been friends. <laughs> like she, she's my personality all day long. And I mean, just the way she presents herself, 
She's like, she has the fuck you attitude, but I am going to help you. Just don't <laughs> tell me I'm wrong because I'll kick your ass type yeah. of deal. And I love it. I love it. Do you think that links in any way to some of the, the teachers that you had during your, your time in the military? Um, I think, yeah, I think so. <laughs> because a lot of... Tough love. A lot of that, not so much tough love. It's you need to put on your big girl britches and do it because that's the way life goes. Like mm. I, I like that, and I've kind of taken that into my author brand because we can't. I mean, I don't know about there in the UK, but here in the US, they now have safe rooms in colleges for people to like go and break down because life is hard. It's like, no, suck it the fuck up, get your work done and move the hell on. Cause nobody's got time for that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What is it about? Um, I, I mean, there's probably something about transparency that I know that sort of me and me and Sasha and our other podcasts like harp on about, but one thing that I, I have seen a lot of lately is that there are a lot of authors out there that are, not snake oil salesmen, but they're the people that, you know, offer you a dream in, in just like a $5 package or they'll, they'll be the people that are squeaky clean and everything's perfect and all this kind of stuff. And for me, I think I'm, I'm one of those people that I always get so much more value out of seeing people, not so much struggle, but seeing all the, the, the filth in the background that, you know, other people try and hide when they're trying to do stuff like this process isn't easy. It is messy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of learning to do even just in the first few pages, let alone the rest of writing a novel. And like you say, there's not really a um, a how-to for the entire indie publishing process. So when when it comes to learning about the particular parts of indie, where is it that you go to most? I know you mentioned sort of Facebook groups and bits and pieces, but what is it you look for for your for your journey? Uh, well, I I got overwhelmed watching all Jenna's videos because she covers so much and I was just trying to take in and there's so much information not just in her videos but in every video in every book there's so much because people want to put their knowledge out there the biggest thing I think is to remember just one step at a time like I was watching her videos trying to process and it was kind of on autoplay all of a sudden it's into publishing and book marketing i'm like holy crap i'm still working on the plot here <laughs> wait what this is wrong wait tropes cliches what ah. so i think the best thing would be so to like narrow it down like you know what you're working on so try to find books or videos or something that goes with that which another awesome indie writer jay thorne Mm -hmm. came out with an amazing book three-story method that helped me solve my plot problems Beautiful. save the cat helped me figure out my whole storyline like you just really have to stop focusing on 10 steps down the road and you need to focus on what you're doing right now you mm -hmm. can't get ahead of yourself because that's just gonna mess up the whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah there's also a tendency quite early on to feel like whatever people are telling you is the way and to sort of discount yes. the fact that there will be a little bit of individuality to what your process is and everything you're trying to learn. And, and like you say, your, your story will be completely unique to anyone else's, how you're writing, it's going to be completely unique. You have to really cherry pick the bits that work for you. Um, and sometimes that means trying a lot of things and then discovering they don't work, but find, finding that process does take time. How, yes. how does your, how would you describe your writing process at the minute in terms of how do you see yourself 
approaching a second novel, even though I know you're not quite there yet, but when you get to that point? Well, my biggest thing, like I kind of already have the seeds of my next book brewing. I already have like character names and a general idea. I do (laughs) (laughs) because it literally just came to me and I'm like, you know what? There's a particular person I want to write this story for because I want them to grow up knowing they can be anything. So with the one I'm currently writing, I talked to my cousin because she is my sounding board for everything. I'm like, I don't know. I was caught up just before the, climax like I don't know if I want to make this into like a series or just a standalone or should I like should I do she's like why don't you make it a standalone but leave a couple little loose hangings so that if you decide five years down the road to make it into a second book or whatever go for it I'm like crap now I gotta (laughs) figure out how to do that (laughs) Yeah, me and uh, me and my co-writer for uh, a couple of books, Luke Condor, we we did a novel called Lazarus, which was we were we're supposed to be writing two series alongside parallel of each other, and one one book has become a series, and this one we got to the end and we we're like, I think we're going to wrap this up, make it a standalone. We did literally the same thing where we've left a couple of lines, like a tiny little sort of epilogue at the end, where it's like this could go onto something else, but right. we haven't touched it now in three four years. Um, yeah. And we have no, we have no plans of going back to it at this point, but it's there if we want to. So it's <laughs> nice. a really really good idea. Um, yeah. What did your what does your writing process look like? How do you how do you squeeze in time to get the words down? I <laughs> I'm gonna get in so much trouble. I write at work. <laughs> <laughs> as long as no, no one I, from work is listening to this, you'll be fine. I no, I don't think anyone does. <laughs> mm. um, so what I actually do, I have two monitors at work and I have I love this. what I'm doing for work. <laughs> I have my work email open. I got another window open. And then in this tiny little square, I have my Google Docs open. And if I finally find a time that, you know what, I got like 20 minutes. All right, let me just hammer something out real quick. I'm trying to veer away from that so that I can write at home and get more done. I honestly, if I could write at home I'd probably be done this book by now (laughs) (laughs) but um considering it is now fall here in New England it's freezing by the way (laughs) (laughs) it is fast approaching hunting season so my writing now is like getting very little time just because me and my other half like to go out we like to hunt and that's how we spend time together so I'm like trying to spin all the plates but some of them are wobbling mm-hmm. <laughs> no it's tricky to find to find that time i think it's a uh, if you if you can fit in the time at work then then why the hell not i mean when i when was it back in 20 end of 2015 i got um a job that was it was very sort of like low down low down the rungs of the ladder and i, I was similar like i got to a position where i kept asking my boss for work and nothing was coming my way so i just had time and i was sat in a position in which i could get away with it for sort of short periods of time and you do feel really guilty for doing it because you're like eh, yes. should, should i but like yeah. i don't know i think if you're serious about trying to make this work you do just find any opportunity to to make it happen um you say that you're finding it difficult to to write at home do you ever have chances where you actually get the a chance to write at home yeah i do um i just it's more of prioritizing mm. because 
when I started writing again, I had a conversation with my other half that's like, you know what, I really want to do this. And we both agreed that, you know, all the home stuff comes first, groceries, cleaning, whatever, anything we do together comes first. If there's time at the end of the day, then I can use that time. Hmm. Usually it reaches that time and I'm like, I'm falling asleep on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, that's all going to be changing here in a bit anyways. So Hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, it, it's smart to have those conversations. I certainly did not have. And that caused problems for, you know, my my previous relationship. That wasn't why it's a previous relationship, but um, yeah. it, it definitely didn't help. So no, I think it's smart to actually have the chance to sit down and say, okay, here's what we're doing and, and allow your partner to sort of come into that world as well to, to help. Um, how how do you see yourself moving forward now that you're approaching the end of this novel? What are your, your next steps you're looking at taking with this book? I, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm focusing because I know at the moment I have a very big fight scene to write and I've just kind of pressed pause on that going, (laughs) shit. (laughs) Well, Jenna has just released a video on the, the, the best way to write fight scenes. So. I did watch it and Timing. I'm like, all right, so I need to figure out this end result because, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I just, I'm so excited to get it finished and to beta readers because I think it's awesome. <laughs> but I know someone's going to read it and be like, um, excuse me, one second. <laughs> and I just, I need that so I can fix it and get the best work that I am capable of out there and it's mm. just like <laughs> I, I definitely love that attitude of of recognizing that it's not going to be perfect the minute that it's finished I think that's something that puts a lot of people off of actually showing it to anyone in the first place or anything like that yeah. so have you have you shown people your writing work before is this a process that's familiar to you or is this going to be the sort of first experience you'd seen my work <laughs> all right me, me, me aside <laughs> but yeah I did I did um, see one of your uh, one of your short stories Yes, I did Jay Thorne's five-day writing challenge where you created a whole scene and whatnot. And I think besides you and Jay, Sasha is the only other person that has seen just like a clip of my work. Interesting. And I I really want... (laughs) I appreciate it. I really do because I... I feel like a sadist where I want to hear where I can get better. And then a lot of the time, like if my mom were to read it or my cousin, she's like, yeah, it's great. Mm. It's like telling me it's great. Doesn't help. No, No, I think that's, that's so, so important to to try and remember as well, because I, I I did go through the rigmarole of, I showed my mom a short story that I wrote years ago that was based off of actually her father, who was a, who is, was a grand, let me try this again. Was a firefighter. He is still alive. I don't want to make that sound okay. like he's past tense. Um, <laughs> but wrote a story about that and then I showed her. And uh, again, with a previous relationship, I tried to get her to read my stories and she just showed no interest. And at the time, that really, really bugged me. But sort of now in the position where I'm in, I'm like, yeah, but she also wasn't my audience. So wouldn't be right. the best way to give feedback. So I think it's good that you're actually going to um, people who 
either are sort of quite in depth with the craft and understand the circuitry around it all rather than trying to find the people to appease your ego i think that's something that will yeah. it, it definitely helps push your writing it'll get you a lot further than a lot of people that are just like yes it's fantastic i love it without <laughs> really really I, reading it i think one of the biggest things that i've learned since april i mean here it is hmm. you know autumn uh, since april the biggest thing that you need to remember is even even if you're a new writer a friggin write amazon bestseller or whatever your first draft is not your final draft like i can't scream that enough because <laughs> i constantly have to tell that to myself and that your first book may not be your best book it probably won't be because you're just going to keep learning if you only publish one book all right, fine. But you're just going to keep getting better and learning more tips and tricks. And I cannot, I mean, I'm still new and I can't harp that enough on even newer writers that are like, you know what? I just, I don't want to show anyone. Hmm. You got to, in order to learn. It's just like school where you have to write an essay and then turn it into the teacher. Think of your audience as your teacher. Like that's, yeah. That's what I get. <laughs> it, no, it, it's so, um, it generally is so impressive that that's something that you've sort of already taken in even before you finish your first book. Cause that's, that is the biggest hurdle, um, stumbling block that any writer I think takes is definitely number one, reaching the end of that first novel. But then a lot of people tend to hinge whether they continue around the success of that first book. So if it doesn't meet their expectations, they're just out of the writing game. I tried it, hands up, done, it's over. But this is, this really is a, a, a long-term career. You have to you have to dig your heels in. You have to keep just running on the treadmill, book out after book after book. Um, I mean, I wrote a, my first completed novel I wrote in three months because I got into the new year and I wanted to complete it before my next birthday, which is in March. And uh, I managed to complete it and had all these plans about putting it out there. It was going to be this weird sort of semi-supernatural thriller and it went into, I printed it off and it generally just lives in the bottom drawer now. I'm never, <laughs> never getting that crap out again. And then, <laughs> Worked on a couple of novels with Luke, and while they were in progress, I also wrote a another novel that was an extension of my first novella, which I actually did publish. I tried to turn that into a, a series, and that is in a drawer, and there it shall die. Um, so I've got I've got a fair chunk of just words that I've written that just I don't plan on ever using again because you need to you need to learn the craft. You need to take time to just embed yourself in in writing and understand where your voice is and. I think it's very, very difficult for people sometimes to accept that there's, there's a learning curve and yeah. that learning curve is your first novel. And I think what helps a lot, like for me, is both Save the Cat and Three Story Method. I didn't just listen to them once. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've listened to Save the Cat about 10 times and Three Story Method about 12 <laughs> and i say listen because i have them on audible and i listen to them at work and i just play it and go throughout my work day and i'm listening so that i can learn my craft while i'm at my day job listening to headphones is not a problem where i work at all and it helps because you may listen to it one time miss half the, the stuff you're trying to learn listen to it again. Okay. You pick up a few more things, do it another time. Okay. Now you're getting how everything 
connects. It's mm-hmm. kind of like watching a movie or reading a book two and three times over. Like, I don't know how many times I've read Harry Potter and I still find things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are the big gaps in your publishing knowledge that you are worried about trying to fill? Oh my, so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like, mentioned already formatting. Oh yeah, formatting. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so much. Like I haven't even dipped my toe into the publishing aspect of it because I'm trying so hard just to maintain focus on getting it done. Because I know once I start into the actual publishing, I am going to be lost for (laughs) years or something. But I know uh, several indie authors have mentioned Vellum. I think you yourself have mentioned that once or twice. That I still am lost where, you know, so many people use it. Do you just like upload your junk and it automatically formats or do you have to go in and just use it as like, okay, this is now all on one page. Like there's so many minute things that I, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Yeah. And then going from the formatted version on vellum to whatever step is next. Cause I got no idea. (laughs) And then like how many more steps until it's finally, okay, book launch up on Amazon, Ingram spark, all that. I I know names, but that's Mm -hmm. about it. (laughs) I will say, um, which I don't know how, uh, how much this will calm you, but I will say once it's formatted, the, the next steps of actually getting the books onto the platforms is incredibly easy. Oh, that part is, there, there's not a lot of steps. I think, um, I, I think what you're getting at is obviously just having not been through the process, it's just a whole, a whole big blank at this point. And there aren't, there aren't really many um, books or videos or things that I've seen that sort of help you with those processes. I'm sure there, there are probably some on YouTube, but um, that part they actually do make considerably easier than you might think um but obviously like if you ever have questions we're in we're in a stack channel to just reach out and i'll I'll give a hand on that but that is that is a fundamental thing going from you know i've I've written this book what the fuck do i do next like yeah and obviously if you weren't surrounded in yeah if you weren't surrounded in the community that you were in then that might be a lot more difficult for you and hopefully that's why people listen to these sort of podcasts to get that you know there are other people out there that have those have those hurdles to overcome yeah if i if i wasn't in the Facebook groups, then honestly, all the writing would just be nonsense on my computer. And I'd probably be really sad because (laughs) I've, (laughs) so my teachers in school always told me that I did have a knack for writing and storytelling, but I'd probably just be really sad because I know it's in me, but I don't have the tools to make it. So Every person that I have talked to in both Great Writer Share Facebook group and Rebel Author Facebook group, like, thank you so much. Because that, whether you've published one book or a hundred books, that makes all the difference to the person that is currently, I don't know if I can do this. I, I just, I'm lost. Like, you don't realize how much a you can do it actually means to someone so yeah yeah. thanks to everybody (laughs) 
And obviously you mentioned their uh, rebel author group again. Um, yes. You mentioned earlier as well about the accountability within that group. What is it about the accountability channel that has, has kept you sticking to what you want to achieve? Seeing everybody else's accountability, like their lists are 10 and 12 and 20 things long and i'm like posting four like i get i get that i'll try doing that even i don't have like lists of 20 jesus christ (laughs) some of these lists are insane and they're they're knocking them out and it's awesome and you get to see every week these people crush their goals or stumble i stumbled for three weeks just due to burnout and you don't get the ha ha you didn't do it or you know nobody's mean at all they're like you know what you'll get it next week you can do it give yourself a break you're fine and that again that means so much so much it's the encouragement what actually keeps you accountable though because that's what i want to know because i've always been one of those people that if i you know put a list out there and and tell people if i failed anything there's always that big part of me that's like yeah but they're not going to know for real if i failed so i could just say that i succeeded what is it that's actually sort of held you to account there (laughs) uh that that goes back to the military because in the united states navy there are three core values honor courage and commitment you have to I mean, it, it kind of explains itself, and I'm going to butcher it because, frankly, <laughs> I left the military a while ago. But honor speaks for itself. You have to have the courage and commitment to be honorable. So if I'm going to lie and say that I got my 2,000 words in this week when I only got 20, that does nobody nothing. That's just like you lied. You're not what did that gain you at all? Nothing. So why don't you just fess up, say, you know what? I only got 200 words this week. Guess what? 200 words is still better than zero, isn't it? Every time. Every time. Every goddamn time. (laughs) Even 25 words is better Mm. than zero. And I have to keep telling myself that because it's been rough. (laughs) It's hard sometimes. It's hard to, to keep it going and when you do have that time and like you say you're in burnout and you're trying to get stuff done it is difficult what what keeps you pushing at the times when it is incredibly difficult for yourself i when i'm in burnout i usually try to catch up on sleep because i know that the reason i'm burnt out is because i'm spreading myself super thin and what helps me get back to writing is I picture my main character and I picture, I guess, the love interest. I'm not dropping names right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I picture them and, you know, how their world is working. Just not even as a writing aspect, just as a imagination. This would be fun. How would this person handle this? And that starts generating oh wait you can put that in your book can't you and it kind of helps me get out of it and obviously we've mentioned that you're coming up to the end of the first draft yes. do we have any idea when we're expecting to see the book on shelves Ooh. in the future so i am hoping fingers crossed that it will be published spring summer 
of next year. I definitely want to get it out before the author summit in September. Mm. Yes, the career author summit. Yes. Links in show notes. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to ask you one more big question before we go on to our rapid fire round. And that question is, why do you, Faye Trask, write? So I said it in the 50th episode, and I Mm -hmm. will say it a hundred times over. That is, to me, it is the truest form of self-expression that you don't have people eyeballing you and judging you, and you can just be 100% true to yourself. And I love it. Beautiful. Okay, 10 questions. I'm going to throw at you as quickly as possible. Feel free to pass. It's all in good fun. You know how it goes. You've done this. Are you ready? Yes. And I was so going to say I want to time it, but at the same time, I don't. (laughs) You can time it if you want to. Ah, sure. Why not? Cool. Let me get this time again. All right. And go. What was the last movie you watched? Uh, Michael McIntyre's stand-up. Unicorns or dragons? Dragons. Salt or pepper? Salt. Uh, I realize this question isn't going to help. If all of your work was burned in a fire and you could save one book, what would it be? The one I'm currently writing. <laughs> How many pets do you own? One. Favorite book of all time? Uh, Dampier. What's the farthest you've walked in a day? Uh, nine miles. Tell us one weird thing about yourself that no one knows. Oh, crap. I don't know. I'm a goofball. <laughs> Favorite time of year? Autumn. Favorite catchphrase? Just do it. <laughs> Beautiful. 51 seconds. Not too shabby. <laughs> Not too shabby. Uh, and one final question. Where can our listeners find out everything about yourself and all that you're working on? So I don't have a website as of right now, but I do have an Instagram and Facebook. So, Which is growing. There. I've seen you posting loads on there lately. Yes, except for when I was in burnout. But find yeah. me on Instagram. I'm trying to keep that regular. <laughs> Beautiful. And yeah, thank you so much, Faye, for you know joining us on the show for today, for becoming a co-host. I'm really, really excited genuinely to see where your journey takes you because it sounds like you've just got the, the right mentality, everything pushing in the right direction. So I wish only the best for you. Thank you. I'm so excited. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Great Writer Share podcast. Next week, John will be joined by author, comic book creator, and podcaster, Ben Errington. Don't forget you can get early access to every episode of the Great Writer Share podcast and the chance to ask upcoming guests any of your questions just by becoming a patron of the show. All you need to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritershare and support the show for as little as $1 a month. One more time, that's www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritershare. Until next time. Hi, this is Benjamin from the UK true crime podcast, They Walk Among Us. Want to see something scary? Shudder is the ultimate streaming service for fans of horror, thrillers and the supernatural. Shudder offers an unbeatable selection from Hollywood favourites and cult classics to original series and critically acclaimed new genre films you won't find anywhere else. Explore the best collection of horror that pushes boundaries 
showcases bold original storytelling and offers something new to watch every week. Available ad-free, on-demand and through the platforms you're already on. Shudder. So good it's scary. Sign up at shudder.com.